Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Forever Game Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, if you are listening out there. And today we are really excited that we had a chance to, to talk virtually, of course, in this new world that we live in, to Steve Babcock. And Steve is the former chief creative officer at VaynerMedia, working directly under Gary Vaynerchuk. And about a year ago, Steve left that job to go and do something on his own, something a little more akin to what we do at 1017 Media. So that was pretty cool. We, we learned a little bit about that, but this was a really fun interview. One quick tip, just use the, if you have AirPods and connect them to your Mac, use that microphone. It's phenomenal. Try not to use any other sophisticated equipment just because you have it. That's a problem for me. And so you'll notice that my audio in this uh, recording of the three of us is the worst, and I'm by far using the most complicated setup. So keep it simple, stupid. Uh, Use your plug-in headphones and your plug-in mic. It will sound great over Zoom. And uh, make sure you turn on that individual audio recording. You can change that setting in Zoom to record everyone's audio as an individual file, and I suggest doing that. It was really nice in the post-production side. But without further ado, we will get to the interview. I know if you have any interest in marketing or leaving to go and do your own thing, you will definitely love this one. Enjoy. Um, Steve, meet Jamie. Jamie, meet Steve. Hi, Steve. Hello. Hello. I also listen to many of Tyler's old podcasts, the Disrupt Ed podcast. So I listened to your episode when it first came out, of course. And so I feel (laughs) like I know... I've got a I've got a decent grasp on what you're what you're all about. All right, good. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. And uh, I think the first thing I I really want to start with is just um, telling people what you're up to right now, and then how did you get there? Feel free to start wherever you think you should start. But uh, you got a new thing going, so tell us a little bit about that and how you started that. Yeah, so I, um, it was a little over a year ago, maybe not two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I made an observation, a, a lot of people in the industry made this observation that um, a lot of brands were, were starting to take a portion, if not all, but usually a portion of their, their marketing resources in-house. You know, there's this moment where for a variety of reasons, either they felt they couldn't afford an agency or their agency partner wasn't really providing the value or, or whatever. And, uh, and so you started to see that and you're, you know, and then in addition to that, I would also notice, um, at the time I was working at an agency and I noticed that whenever a, a creative or someone in my department would resign, I was just really surprised at how often it was to go to a, to a brand, to an in-house uh, or a platform, but it was rarely to another agency. So I just started digging into it a little bit. I was like, this is really interesting to me. And I wanted to know why it was happening. And, and you know, could I figure out how to, to add value there? Uh, I had worked in the ad agency side in the creative department for 20 years. So I was definitely not bored of it or anything, but just kind of like, what, you know, what else is, is there to do? And uh, so I started to just kind of play around with the idea of like, I wonder if there's a way as an agency, the agency I was with, we're like, what if there's a way we can create kind of an in-housing product, something that a brand can buy from us and we can go in and help 
kind of build their in-house agency or train them and et cetera. And there's, there's actually quite a few uh, agencies out there now that do that really well. And ultimately I got to the point where I, uh, I was like, I, you know, I, I got, I think I started to obsess so much about it where I'm like, I really, really want to figure this out and I want to crack it. And so I got a client that, that really did fall in my lap. Um, I don't know if I'm really that entrepreneurial, if I would have jumped had this not happened, but I had a client literally drop in my lap. And so I said, let me go give this a try. You know, they basically said exactly what I wanted to do. They're like, we have about 200 people in this marketing department. And he's like, I don't know what to do with them. And I was like, sign me up. Um, And so that, that started it really. And so ever since then I started this little thing called made in house and it's just me. I have a handful of contractors and, and people that I will, I will bring in, but I'll usually just refer them. I don't even bring them in under, under made in house. It's just, it's just me. And it's, uh, and I get hired and, and I, and I go in and typically it'll be a, a couple ways. The way that doesn't work as well for me is where they're like, Hey, we're just getting started and we want to build a group uh, from nothing. And I'm like, typically I've kind of learned to not do those gigs because it's like, well, that's just going to take, I'm just kind of going to be your in-house creative director and hire people. It's, it doesn't, I'm not good at that part or I don't have the time for that part. What works really well is, is like that first example where someone says we have people, we just don't know how to structure them. We don't know what, a, what process there should be. We don't know what methodology. And that's where it's really fun for me to be able to come in and, uh, and do that. So that's, that's what I've been doing. I will say, I, I think the whole world right now is feeling it, but for what I do right now, I'm, I'm really hoping we get to a resolution soon because it's like right. the, the thing that I do is go be with them as people in their organization. And it's not something that either I know how to do remotely, um, maybe somebody else who's smarter could do it. But for me, I'm like, I don't, it takes time. I have to build relationships with people. I have to work beside them. I have to get to know them in order to help, help them build a really great full functioning thing that can work after I leave. I, I can't really do that remotely from the get go. So sure. Definitely in a, in a bit of a holding pattern right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they probably have to be able to trust you to be able to be a little bit vulnerable with what they're doing or what's not working. And if you're not able to physically be there and kind of form a real relationship where they feel safe enough to say, you know, here's the core thing. We don't, we don't know what the hell we're doing. You know, I mean, yeah. if, cause if, if, if someone's bringing you and I'm imagining it's someone at an executive level or higher up bringing in for help. And do you ever find any kind of like negative, like, I don't know, a negative feeling from the team underneath that person. Like they think we need help. They're bringing someone else in or how, how does that usually work? Yeah. I mean, I think probably every time I think it's natural for someone to be, and I think most consultants probably deal with this, which is like, okay, someone's been brought in. There's a reason. And you probably, you know, I I would imagine in the same situation, I'd take offense to it or be a little bit bugged by it. And, you know, for me, I've just found that like from the get go, it's just, it's a tact thing. So it's like immediately lean way into those people, make sure they understand, um, you know, my job is, is really to come in and help them see things that they maybe have not been able to see based on their environment and a lot of in-house um and 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 to be honest like i have a very specific methodology that is hard for a lot of these internal people to not like so for example um but even then for sure there's always going to be those individuals that are just like 
forget this guy. And, and I, I kind of mm-hmm. learned that like at the end of the day, I'm being paid to give a recommendation and that's what I'm going to do. Right. And I'm going to do it the, 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 the most kind and genuine way that I know how, and I'm going to treat everybody the best I know how, but even given all that, you'll still have people that will just kind of feel like, man, never mind. But my methodology is really interesting. It's really easy to understand. And I've developed a, um, an analogy. So most in-house agencies, you know, they function like a Kinko's for the brand or like a copy center, really. There's mm-hmm. some designers, a video editor, da, 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 da. And, and it literally is just they're at the beck and call of the brand. So any brand manager walks over and they usually have a thing called a creative service request or some form that they can say, hey, I need a video for this or I need you to make a flyer. I need you to make a poster or a logo, boom, boom, boom. And that's it. And there's really no conversations. There's no really strategy. It's just like, cool. So I'm, uh, it really is like a Kinko's. You need a video that does this, this, and this. Cool. I'll make that video for you. Not the most, you know, creative. Yeah. You're still making a thing and you're adding your style to it, but it's just a very transactional relationship. And so what I'll usually go in and do kind of on the first meeting with a lot of these folks, um, is say, you know, I'm here to help transform you from this Kinko's to the brand of the brand to a Netflix of the brand. And immediately everyone's like, that's what I want to do that. That sounds <laughs> great. You know, cause most of them are, are, they already know it. They feel like a Kinko's. They're kind of tired of that. They want to be more creative. They want to be, they want to create more original uh, things. And so they get really excited about that. And then, and then that's really it. And it's a thing I call branded programming. And it's basically where I believe that uh, brands are, or at least should, or can be at their, at their very foundational level, their media networks. Every brand has the ability to publish on all of these platforms that exist in the world. And, um, and when you look at culturally kind of the way, if you think about like the shelf life of a, of a moment in our culture now, it's incredibly small. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, something ama- insane can happen and we can all, and it, you know, whether it's like a crazy, funny, viral video or a political weird thing or whatever. And with all the news until we wake up the next day and there's a new thing for us to be interested in and a new thing. Right. And I found that to be really interesting. Still, the majority, the focus of the, ma- of the majority of marketers is to make that big moment, you know, and which is, I think is fine uh, as part of your mix, but that, I don't think that's the right place to have your foundation be uh, because even if you do get a viral moment, it's gone the next day. Right. Meanwhile, if you look in culture at kind of the things that uh, may not be these humongous spikes, but they're building steady and steady and steady. And they're kind of a part of our fabric. There are things that, that happen again and again and again, they're serialized. So I'll often refer to branded programming as, as shows uh, or social shows just to kind of help people get in the mind of like, oh, I'm not just making one-off campaign things. I'm going to try to promote, you know, whatever the business objective of the brand is. I'm going to try to do that in a way where I come up with an idea that's designed to be executed again and again and again in hopes of building equity in that thing over the right. long term. And, and so that's, that's literally what, what branded programming to me and what being a Netflix is of a brand is like, it's like, let's, and, and, you know, it's like you have to be kind of pilot mentality of like 70% of the things you're going to try are going to fail. But just like television figured out in the 60s, like 
new pilots. Don't put a ton of money into them and, uh, and, and kind of put them out there. And then once you see that there's something that people gravitate to or they like or, you know, the engagement metrics are, are to your liking, then go, hey, let's invest more in that and in that. So it's, um, so it's, it's, that's the other different thing of what I'm doing is I think a lot of people just go, oh, he's, he's just helping at, at, you know, brands build ad age, their own ad agency. And it's really not at all. I'm, I'm trying to help brands change their in-house group to focus on the thing that they can do really well in a way that I think it should be done. But it's also a thing that most agencies can't do or even want to do, or yeah. they definitely can't make money doing it. Sure. Right? Well, it's not really yeah. expected of them. Yeah. You know, I mean, most agencies really, the business model is, uh, I guess, sort of sarcastically, but not really, is to sell a thing that takes a lot of people a lot of time to make something that costs a lot of money. That's what ad agencies do. And, and I, there must, there's a time and a place for that for sure. But I think there's this, and what I witnessed kind of was this big spot in the middle, this foundation that no one was doing right. Brands, their, their, their people weren't doing it right. Agencies weren't doing it right. It was just sort of random one-offy social stuff. And, um, and so I really was like, I think there can be a space. And I, I actually do believe that an agency kind of focus and I've been sort of thinking about how it could work. Um, but if an agency were born today out of, out of this branded programming model, there's a way to do it. Um, like I said, a lot of the older established larger agencies, it's just not in their business model to do. And so what I think is the, is the great, the ideal mix is for a brand, the, the in-house team to be the net, you know, the branded programming, the Netflix of the brand, and for them to then partner with an outside agency to be able to provide the strategic oversight because strategy is something I just do not think should come from within. It's, there is too much Kool-Aid there. Uh, they can provide the creative direction. They can provide additional production support at a higher level. And then of course they can provide all of the larger uh, campaign style initiatives and things like that. But, but I do believe if, uh, that if, when you can get these pieces in place, all of a sudden, everything that's being done, whether it's a pilot of a show on Instagram that's a post all the way to a Super Bowl commercial can all be sort of sharing the same knowledge and learning and uh, following the same momentum. But right now, that just it, I've never it doesn't exist anywhere. I've never found it. And so I'm just kind of trying to build or focus on the the brand side part of it. But I think someone's going to figure it out pretty soon. Yeah, well, I hope we figure it out because that's kind of what we're we're trying to do. But it's hard. <laughs> it's hard because essentially to all of our clients, it's we want to get to an episodic sort of framework that allows creativity within that. So you've got something consistently that you're making and producing. And most of the people we work with in this rural area are small. They're the owners and they're the workers in the business. So them to bring in other people to make stuff um, is probably not going to happen, but they still have all of the knowledge to, to talk to their audience about helping in different ways and things like that. So it's kind of fun for us. Um, I want to maybe get back a little bit to, and Jamie, I'm going to let you ask the next question because I tend to monopolize this. Sorry about that. Is That's okay. So the name of this podcast we call the forever game because it's kind of like a, everyone's life is kind of a game of building their more happier version as they go on. And so 
with you transitioning from working in an agency, how long could you maybe go into more on that transition? You've got, you know, a, a solid job and, and maybe it's family variables of being away, maybe it's work hours, whatever, but how long did you know you were going to leave or how, how was that feeling that kind of double guilt stage of your, you want to go and work on this thing, but you feel guilty because you're thinking about it. But can you maybe walk us through that a little bit? Yeah. Um, well, now you're making me think I should have felt guilty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> I didn't really feel guilty. Um, uh, well, hey, I mean, I think it, it, it was it was something that um, that we were thinking of trying to build at that agency. Like I said, it was a conversation I was having with my former boss, Gary, and um, we were just like, man, there's got to be a thing here, here, here. So it was like, uh, and then it was probably about six months, you know, where it was really sort of stewing in my brain. I think in addition, to be honest, I was just, I don't know. I was just kind of like, man, I've been in, I've done this job, different levels, of course, but I'm like, I've just done this forever. And I started to feel a little bored. I don't know. Yeah. What, like complacent. Just, yeah. I was just like, okay, got it. Um, <laughs> this is fine. This is great. But I just, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I would just be like, I'm not, a, I don't, I was just sort of missing the fire. Also, I've, I've really started to develop this belief in this branded programming thing. Like I really was like, it was the thing when I would talk about it or when I would think about it. And again, at, at Vayner, we were trying to develop, it was called, it was called the shows approach. And I was just like, I'm really into this. I'm really into this problem was even at an agency of that size, it was even for us, it was hard to actually do yeah. the business model. was like, no, I can't lean in and make a five, a two or $2,500 video. Like we don't make money doing that. We can't do it. And, and so I guess there was just, it was probably a pretty natural progression of me feeling like I've, I feel passionate about a particular approach that I'm unable to do at an agency. And if I couldn't make it work at Vayner, then I'm like, I'm not making it work at any other agency. <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm not, BBDO, all these great agencies are very big and established. They're not going to change. And so that's when I realized like, well, the place to do this is in-house because they're not, they're not beholden to margin or production markups. They're just like salaried employees from nine to five. Like they don't have any of that uh, baggage that an agency had. So it just, this just started to make a lot of sense. Um, and then again, you know, when, when I decided to do it, um, uh, Gary was super supportive and, and we, we did the typical transition of like a couple months and this and that. So it was, it didn't feel like, yeah, like I said, it just felt pretty nice and natural and like it was okay. I, you know, and I'm only, I've only been on the journey for almost a year now. And again, like I said, I don't know, I don't know, I might get forced out of it if this, uh, this whole coronavirus thing doesn't work out, but, um, but it has been, no matter what it is, it, I maybe wish I would have done something sooner, but to be able to just step out and do something different, even though it's still very similar, but like has just really kind of reinvigorated me and like new challenges all of a sudden I'm like, I haven't been like scared in a long time. And here I am in this, in this company that's just paying me a ton of money to do this. And literally they know I've never done it, you know? So I'm just like, ah. um, and, that was going to be my question is what was like the first client that you got that said yes to your, to your services? What, what did that feel like? And what was that experience for you? Well, that was, it was, it was great. It was, well, 
I don't, man, to be honest, I just sort of was like, I'm doing this. Cause kind of once you jump out of your safety net of a full-time job, you're like, okay. Uh, you know, everyone always uses the analogy of like you're jumped out of an airplane and you're like building your parachute as you free fall. That's definitely how it felt. So I was, so some, first my, my only criteria was like someone who would pay me. So found someone who would pay me <laughs> and and I, uh, I remember I flew out to do kind of a, a round of interviews with people to just see if this is, if they wanted to hire me or whatever. And um, I remember I'd, I walked in and it was, it was, it was, it was, a, you know, it's a fine place, but just the, the, I walked through the little creative department. It was just lifeless. It was just a sure. corporate lifeless. And I was like, oh man, what did I do? And, uh, <laughs> or what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm not sh- I wonder if I can do this. And, um, and I did. I, I remember on that one, it was great because I said, look, you're my first client. So if you're with, here's what I believe and here's what I want to do and boom, boom, boom. And they were very much like, we need that. That's great. That's perfect. That's awesome. And I said, so if you're willing to, you know, take a chance on me, then, then we'll give it a go. And, and they were, and it's, it was perfect. It was really, really what I needed. Um, and it was a big one. I mean, there was about 250 people in that department. So it was, it was like step in and, and, but it was good to be big because I was able to just like prove like, like I said, I was building this thing as I was flying. So I, in my mind, I would come up with like, oh, I need to do a workshop. Boom, boom, boom. So I would do that workshop. And, you know, and then I'd be, oh, now I need to do this and this and this. And what I hope is to the average person who is working there, they're probably like, oh, yeah, this is, he, he does this all the time. You know, I, they probably don't know. I was, like, I was literally making it up as I went. But, but it, was, it was the best thing ever because it allowed me to kind of test everything. And now, and moving forward, there's like, okay, I'm not going to do that thing anymore, but that thing worked really well. So I'm going to build on that and that. So like right now it's always evolving, but right now it's like, I got it pretty dialed, you know, it's like, so it feels good, but it was definitely, um, it was definitely scary for, for sure. And and like in terms of the family and stuff, cause I do, I have, I have three kids and, and it, you know, I'm 42. So it's kind of a weird time to try something like this. But uh, I, it was just the support of my wife. She was like, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, I think she secretly is looking for any way to get out of New Jersey. So she was like, if this, if this leads us anywhere else, let's go. But it's, uh, yeah, we just decided to kind of give it a go. So, Yeah, for the people that are hearing this for the first time, and maybe, Jamie, I don't know if you remember this too, but Steve, you didn't exactly grow up in a metropolis. And so – now raising kids there and and is that something that you think is in your future like assuming things go well with the company is that something where you'd want to get a little more out of the city uh no we just put our house up for sale actually (laughs) so um we're hoping to uh, well for what i found is you know i also didn't realize just how much um it's a lot of travel and um and most of my clients have not been in the city or even in the East. So um, we, we also, we still have a house where we moved from in Colorado, just in Boulder outside of Denver. And so that's been kind of our thinking is like, it makes more sense to live in the middle of the country in a place that's financially a little bit easier. It's really expensive here in, in Jersey. And, um, and just, unless you live in, unless you work in the city or work out here, there's really no reason to live here. And, um, (laughs) And we're, we're re, we really just were like, oh, let's give it a year to see if this business can work. And then also just waiting until around the summer 
because we would we we didn't want to move until the kids were out of school uh and then uh so like literally the sign went up in front of the house just the other day so we're still not a hundred percent sure we have that house we can move back into it um and uh but it doesn't make sense if I'm going to continue this, that doesn't make sense to live where we live. We'd like to be somewhere a little more central and a little cheaper. Yeah. Sure. And a little yeah. less Jer- Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so who would you say are your uh, ideal clients for the services that you want to provide? Is there like a size or is it more of a, a philosophy? No, there definitely is a size component. Like I can go in and because what you're hiring me for is basically this methodology, this, I can, I can kind of, like I said, I can turn it, I can create your own Netflix for your brand, um, which works really well. That's the exciting part. It's been really, really working well. So to do that though, there are some basic things like you've got to have some production folks. You've got to have, you know, so of a decent size to me, Otherwise, I'm just sort of like, I can't, I can tell you what to do, but like, you know, I don't edit. I mean, I can edit videos, but I'm very slow. And you know, like that, I'm not, you don't want to pay me to do that. You so have to have definitely. executioners. Pretty you much. do. You really do. Because <laughs> I can go in and, and say, what I, what I, what is really great is when you have a creative leader there. And I'll tell you why. Um, and I've, I've encountered this a little where people have, I've been trying to get gigs and people have, who, who don't have that particular leader there. One of the challenges is, is they'll be like, well, what can I just hire you? Will you just come on full time and, and do this? And I say no. And then they're like, well, my problem is I'm going to hire you to come on and build this whole thing. And then I'm going to have to figure out how to replace you. And you've built a very specific <laughs> methodology. You know, it's not yeah. like, uh, and so I had to, that was kind of a fair point moment where I'm like, you know what, that's true. So that's been a challenge, but it's, it's ideal when it's like, all right, you've got kind of a leader figure there. I'm going to go in and attach myself at the hip with that individual. And, mm. and, 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 cause that's really it. It's like, I have to make it one of the challenges I think of anybody going from full-time or agency life to consultancy is wait, your job is to, is to not do it all. Your job right. is to teach everybody else how to do it so that you can leave. And that's very, that's difficult. That was a, diff, that's been a difficult transition where there, uh, you know, there was one gig where they didn't have any particular writers and I'm a writer by trade. And so I was just like, let me do it. Let me do it. Let me do it. And I all of a sudden got in a moment where there were emails just like, here's some writing stuff for Steve to do. And I'm like, wait a minute, like, <laughs> I've created a problem because I'm going to leave and I, I have not fixed this issue so instead I was like no we I've got to work with the, the existing writers here if we need to let's let's put, put out an ad and try to hire one or whatever so it's a different mentality like the whole job is like you're you you have to be like invisible but like ever present if that makes sense like yeah and that's that's a, a bit of a challenge I've gotten better at it for sure but um sometimes that tendency of like, I just do this myself. Like sometimes it feels like it's harder to teach someone to do it. It's like, I'll just do it myself. But then you're like, you've just created (laughs) a bigger problem. You really have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm the worst. I'm the worst at that. Go ahead, James. Can I ask one? Um, So when you go into a company or you're starting to work with, 
you've got this new client, do you kind of have to like pitch them your philosophy around marketing or like, how do you address, what do you tell them about marketing today and like what you believe about it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely um, like, I kind of have, I'm kind of a one way or the highway <laughs> type of a thing. You have to kind of want this methodology and to believe in it and be excited about it. Really, I mean, I spend a lot of my time just kind of putting my thoughts and things, and I'm going to, I'm trying to use this quarantine time to do more of this. Um, but uh, just in putting out content on like LinkedIn and on social media and stuff, and that's usually how people find me. So when they find me, usually they found me through something like that, where they're like, yeah. I was intrigued by this or I was interested by this. And like, All right, cool. Um, and, uh, and I mean, for the most part, I haven't really had anybody say no to the philosophy. Everyone's kind of been interested in that. There've been times where like the timing's not right or, or perhaps the, the, it's usually the budget is, is an issue. Um, but, but yeah, no, I mean, kind of how I just explained it to you is like, I kind of walk so you're already, through. you're already putting out your philosophy as the bait. So by the time they've taken it, they're like, they're in, if they want to That's talk right. to you and, philosophically yeah that's right yeah i could um, do i could do a significantly better job of it and i want to do more and more but i um so far it's you know what i have done is has worked fairly well but and then a lot of it is just, <laughs> I, I know i'm gonna have to have my own little team gary um but a, a lot of it is kind of word of mouth you do one gig and then they kind of know another person and this and that so if you had to give like a state of the union on specifically like social media and, and where those different platforms are, what would you say like uh, different platforms you prefer, especially cause you're, you're in B2B. Um, what would be an ideal strategy for someone in B2B kind of overlooking the landscape of social media and all the platforms out there? Um, I mean, honestly, it's just, it's always, you start with your audience, right? Who, who's your audience? What are, what, what are the insights around that audience or audiences? Oftentimes you might have multiple audiences and then just where are they? How are they behaving wherever they are? And then how do you best and most naturally kind of become part of that conversation? So for me, you know, my audience specifically is going to be a lot of like CMOs or head of brand or creative, you know, executive creative directors or chief creative officers on the brand side. And they're all on LinkedIn, you know, so I kind of spend most of my time uh, just there. It's funny, ever since I started this thing, LinkedIn has become by far my preferred platform in both, both you know, uh, putting content, but also consumption. I just spend all my time. Tyler, there. Like, I think Tyler would agree with you on that one. Yeah, we're the two old bald guys <laughs> in the room. And Jamie, of course, is <laughs> but, the Instagram but, girl. Well, but it's so weird to me because before... Like it was all Instagram to me for, before for some reason. And, and that's where I had built, you know, not a huge following of around 12,000 followers, but that, that I'd worked for that. And I'd kind of built right. that. And it's like, that was it. It was the only place. They, and then I just sort of found naturally for whatever reason, I just stopped posting there. Uh, and my follower accounts just dropped, but I'm like, I don't, I don't know why um, I just kind of transitioned over there. So that from a business perspective is where I'm spending most of 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 my time um not from a personal perspective i'm i'm kind of like the rest of the world pretty pretty addicted to tiktok at the moment but um 
But yeah, that, no, it's is LinkedIn. TikTok just like a time traveling app? That's what it seems to me. Whenever I'm on it, all of a sudden there's like a half an hour is gone and I don't know where it yeah. went. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a like a time black hole. When you <laughs> open sure. the app, it just forwards, you just fast forward for an hour. Oh, I, I love it. I, it. To me, it is like, it just really like, I don't know. It just gives me like a lot of hope because I'm just like, man, there's a lot of creative and funny people out in the world. And I just right. love it Like for that. I'm just like, you know what? This is, uh, and, and you know, what makes TikTok so amazing, unlike everything else, is it's, its actual foundation is built on sort of trending and momentum and virality, right? Yeah, well, the fact that you can like copy uh, sound, right? That's unique to that app where it's like, oh, I just saw TikTok, I can click and use the sound of that TikTok just means, okay, people are gonna constantly, you've given something, someone to go, I'm gonna one-up that, I'm gonna come up with my version of that, or here's my dance, or here's my dance, or here's my dance. And it's just a really fun, um, it's like, creative uh i had a friend once tell me it was like how was the phrase they used it was like creative contagion and i was like that's sure. a really good term for it because it just sort of spreads creativity in a really interesting way i i really really think it's great i don't really you know everyone always asks me how brands should behave on it and things like that and i i'm i with a lot of a lot of clients i work with they're like, what do we do on tiktok and for me i'm just like i don't know if it's about building I don't think it's about where you're trying to build a community. I think it's where you're trying to, I think TikTok is a place where brands can have a fun side. They should, they should kind of let their hair down a little bit, but, um, but it's an interesting place to really be part of the existing conversation in a fun way. Right. Versus, right. versus kind of how they may behave in some of the other channels, but, but I'm the same. There've been, there've been many a times where I've just woke up in the middle of the night and my phone is like just on my chest, still playing TikTok. <laughs> and I'm like, I just fell asleep for hours. Um, just playing the same one over and over and over. What are your current working conditions like in this whole thing? Uh, so I'm just in uh, just in our little house in New Jersey. It's a really small house, so we're 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 very uh, we're all up in each other's business. Uh, but it, it's it's good. My kids are at a good age for this. I have a nine-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 15-year-old. And so everybody's like, you know, I don't have any like little babies or things like that. So everybody's like kind of self-contained. Um, and it's been, I'll tell you, it's, I was telling someone this morning, I'm like, outside of obviously what this is doing and the and the sickness and the death and the, you know, potential catastrophe economically, uh, me being home and maybe it's also just cause I have not been home for a long time. It's been awesome. It has been so amazing just to be with my, like forced, like we have right. to be together and we're just like really enjoying each other's time. And, um, and so, you know, you just, I have a little table where I work and I, we, we, we really have had to kind of stick to a schedule like, okay, from this time to this time is, and they all have their school and I can get some work done and then we'll have a lunch together and this and that. So it's, it's just more spread out throughout the day, but it's, uh, I've actually really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm fortunate right now because I do have a client that I've been with for a little bit. So I'm able to still be, uh, effective remotely for, for a few more weeks, uh, in terms of new things. New uh, that's where, I, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't even, 
I wouldn't even know how to try to do it right. if uh, if someone was open to it. I think everyone right now is just kind of ha- they're sort of sticking with what they have. They're just kind of hunkering down and seeing if they can get through this. So yeah, it's yeah. more survival, less creativity yeah. at this point. Yeah. If everything goes how you maybe envision it goes, or how well it could possibly go within house, what is it like? What does it turn into? So it's it's a great question because I've been for the last probably four or five months have really been thinking like there there is an agency model. There is a thing that goes beyond me because honestly I, I probably can't continue for much longer to do it the way I have done it because it's just me being gone all the time. And at the end of right. the day, you're like, wait a minute, this like this like I said, I'm like kind of the peak years of my kids' lives and things like that. So there've been a couple of thoughts. You know, I've I've kind of built in my head what a model would be for an agency and I could find potential partners and maybe some funding and, and try an agency and, um, based on this business model. Um, but then I think another way to do it, which is probably more akin to my personality is, and I've had some good conversations, uh, everything's kind of been put on hold right now, but I've had some good conversations with a few existing agencies that are at a moment where they're like, we need to do something new. And that to me is really exciting because it's like, well, if you believe in this and want to do this, well then awesome. Cause I don't have, you already have the business set up, the, the, yeah. <laughs> the structure, you've got a bunch of clients to help. So in a sense it, it would be like, okay, I can go back and, and, and um, to an agency if, if they really, really, really do want to do this. And like I said, I've had, a, I've been having a, conversations with a couple agencies and that's if I'm going to predict that's probably where it'll go for me is like okay everything that I've learned in-house this particular model of how an agency could bring in-house and external together around branded programming how the agency would need to be built it would be built much more like a content studio than a than an ad agency they're going to have a lot more what I call shedditors like shooter editor types um, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, it's been, yeah, that's been the, that's <laughs> been the exciting with that word. <laughs> Shedditors, yes, <laughs> yes, you do. You do. Um, but that, so that's, that's what I like. Plus also it's like, ah, you know, getting some other, the, the one thing I've noticed uh, this last year is it's really lonely. Like, yeah. even though I'm plugging and playing and I'm working, but just like to have some of these conversations has got me excited with like, Oh wow! Here, here would be a person who would be a partner of this, and they're really smart, and they could help out too. So, I'm, I, I feel like that's where it will will be, um, and it would it's be awesome. You've got some proof of concept too. I mean, that this this works and is effective, and hopefully, you have some analytics, you know, supporting all that that somebody can really get excited about too with you. Yeah, I mean, that's really it. If I, because I've often said like, man, like if you can just get me just get the meeting like if you can just get me in the room like this thing can sell it sells really well and so um i'm not much of a salesman like i don't really like that part of the business you know like the businessy part and so um i found that um and like i said a couple of these conversations it's been really exciting to watch how excited these people like this is it this is our next chat and i'm like that and I feel like for me, what, what I would really like is to find an agency that's just sort of notoriously kind of, you know, yesterday's news and to be able sure. to go in and 
you know, and it's a lofty ambition, but that's what's exciting to me. That all of a sudden is like, Ooh, that's a fire. Like, I don't want to yeah. just go to another agency that is known for making great work and just try to continue making great work versus go into a thing that is not known for that and see if I can get everybody to rally behind this and, and kind of become something new. That to me is, is really exciting. So Plus, I just want health insurance. It's expensive, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how 30 days can flip the priorities. Holy cow, I know. Can I um, ask one question? Yeah, I, go ahead. I want to be conscious of our time, but um, Steve, if you had to give brands of, I know we work with like smaller businesses, you're on obviously different scale, but brands in general, one piece of advice when it comes to their marketing today, what, what would you sum that up to be? Ooh, that's a good question. I guess I would say is remember who you're talking to. Um, and what I mean by that is because so many brands, and I think we as humans maybe do it too, but brands definitely do. They want to communicate what makes them feel good or what connects to them as a brand or what they want. And it's like, you have to be con you have to be consumer first like what what your audience it, you have to be the their brand you have to be what they need in the way that they need it and you have to be okay with that you have to be okay with them you know kind of co-creating your brand for you know for you so i would say that's definitely and i see it all the time where you'll see someone you know someone will put out a message and you're just like that doesn't resonate with anybody <laughs> You know, <laughs> right. they're just like, yeah, but, but, but the CEO likes it. I'm like, is he buying the product? Like who freaking cares? Um, and so I think yeah. that's, that's really important. A lot of times, one of the phrases that I don't really like that much is like, is that on brand? Which I think is such a, you know, if you look at branding, historically branding is a, was a defense mechanism. It was a uh, principle developed and I can't remember I want to say either Stella Artois or like Fruit of the Loom. One of them was like the first brand to ever like officially brand with like a logo. A couple different like industries they, there. Yeah. I know. I don't know why, <laughs> but, uh, but they did that because it was, they were selling their goods. They were like, I want you to know that this is mine and not the competitor right next to me. Yeah. And right. So it was literally a defense mechanism. And so as time went on and on and on, branding became that. Here's our look. Here's our cut. We do this. We do that. We do this because that it, it has to be so consistent that it's unmistakable, right? But then all of a sudden what happened is the media was no longer controlled only by advertisers, right? Now everybody can talk, you know, everybody can publish and all of these things. And so branding, and, and you can also reach so many different audiences. And so now what's really awesome is like, you can target on Facebook, you know, moms with three kids who like soccer and you can target you know you can get so specific and you have to understand that right now when you say what's on brand and that rigidity of your brand is actually you want to make it softer you want to make it a little more like play-doh it's got to be based on a on a core like belief of why you exist as a brand like your mission or your positioning but you're going to talk to this audience a little bit differently than you're going to talk to this audience or this audience because hopefully if you're doing it correctly, you're talking in a way that is on their terms, right? It's like you're meeting your audience in the middle. Like I know they're interested in this, so I'm gonna talk about my offering through their lens. It's just being a good conversationalist, really. Yep. 
And, yeah. and so that's, that's it. It's just like, understand who you're talking to and then just be genuine to them. Uh, even if, you know, I just, I just think a lot of, it's, it's like a lot of the Kool-Aid. You just drink so much of your own Kool-Aid, you forget that some people don't like Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, Steve, well, where, where, can, where can people find you and learn more about you individually and then also what you're trying to build here? Um, so I have a, my, my internet username, which has just been it forever, so I just never changed it, is, is Steve Happens which is just a play on the bumper sticker. Um, so, <laughs> so, so Steve happens if, is on everything, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, whatever. Um, or just literally if you Google Steve Babcock, something will pull up. There's only one other Steve Babcock in the world that I found and he owns a karate gym. And uh, <laughs> I've tried to, he's never returned any of my friend, friend, friend requests. Because uh, he owns he owns stevebabcock.com. I wanted to get it for my portfolio. Oh, dang! But, but his karate gym looks like it's doing well. I mean, so anyway, definitely don't want to fight I, him for that URL. No, 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 no. He's good. But if you're trying to get a hold of me, I don't teach or know karate necessarily. So. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for today, and good luck in everything that you do. Yeah, All we'll right. be following. Thanks, thank yeah. you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of the Forever Game Podcast. We definitely have a lot of fun in doing this. And I can tell you, if you've ever thought about starting a podcast or you feel like you have a good idea for a podcast, I would encourage you to try it. You don't need fancy equipment. You don't need to worry about that. Get out there and try it. If you're nervous about where to start, or if you're a business and you'd like to just jump into it right away, we are happy to help. We're launching a new thing at 1017 Media, where in addition to the videos and the social media content that we can um, help businesses produce, we're also launching a podcast service. We have a fully mobile podcast studio with high quality professional equipment. We can um, sit there and produce the podcast live for you in the background, or we can have it all set up and leave the room. You press the little record button, do your thing, and then we'll do all of the post-production work. We'll edit it all together. We'll make it sound professional. We'll get it up into all the hosting sites so that it gets published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere everyone um, could possibly listen to a podcast. We'll get it up there for you. In addition to that, we can help you market it on the backside. So if you're interested in podcasting, you'd like to learn more about how that service works, feel free to hit us up. Um, you can find us on Facebook, 1017 Media. You can just email me directly, tyler at 1017media.com. We would be happy to talk about that for you. Take care and stay safe out there. Peace. Peace.